You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production. Enhancing your Philly sports experience. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the bandwagon. After taking a week off, we have a lot to catch up on. Collargate, the strangest event in the NBA this year surrounding the Sixers. NBA free agency, will this GM search heavily impact it? And the Phillies' recent slump, is it a collapse? What can turn this around? Hop on board and enjoy the ride as we further discuss. Boys, Collargate, none of us expected this. What was he thinking, or what was his wife thinking, With this internet scandal, people can find out anything nowadays just by searching your name. What's going on? All right. So, well, listen, I mean, it it was a pretty it it was obviously we all know it was a stupid move by Colangelo. And he said that he had no clue that his wife was doing this. He had to have known. Oh, he had to have known. It's obvious. So, I mean, I, I, I don't really know what he was thinking. He was just being stupid. Like you said, People find out things, and we they were going to find this, and they obviously did. I don't know. I, I just think he's he's kind of a sensitive guy, so if he says something kind of outlandish, people are just going to be all over him about it, I guess, just because he's the Sixers GM, and he's like he's one of the biggest GMs out there for one, for one of the biggest teams in the NBA. So I guess this was his way of kind of saying stuff but not having the repercussion of people – like being on him about it. Mm-hmm. I guess that's his mindset, but it was just, it's just, it really, it cost him his job. So, you know, the most idiotic part about it is if you're going to have these burner accounts and you really need to get it off your chest that badly, why would you follow each other? <laughs> that was how they were all linked. Yeah. Not only that, but they all had the same backup phone number for emergencies. How do you think that some internet sleuth isn't just going to go online and say, oh, wow, this sounds a lot similar to what that other account just said. Let me check that out. And then didn't he message someone saying, take another slant, <laughs> which is a hilarious line, but it, that can't happen. On top of it, why is he so sensitive? He's a GM for one of the biggest names in the NBA. Have some pride. On top of it, shame on Adam Silver for forcing him down on us. All right, well, I'm going to look at this from a uh, Sixers standpoint. You know, this is barely bad timing for the team. You know, with this draft and free agency looming, the draft is in less than two weeks. They've only held one workout so far with Grayson Allen, a guy that might not even be in the first round. I think they're going to have a lot of they're going to be they're going to have a lot of workouts next week, but this really just put a damper on that and trying to look at the prospects, who's the right one at num- at number 10. Also at free agency, there's only two really big free agents out there right now, with the exception of Kawhi maybe being traded, but the Spurs already said that they're not going to trade him. But with LeBron and Paul George, those are two guys that we need desperately to beat the Boston Celtics, basically, because, I mean, the Toronto Raptors, they might not be as good as they were. Um, but the Sixers are in desperate need of wing, wing athletic players who can shoot and with this whole thing going down, the Sixers, obviously none of the fan base or the Sixers were prepared for this, but I don't think that 
I mean, hopefully it doesn't have an effect on LeBron or Paul George making their decision. The firing was the right move by the Sixers, and it definitely helped their case in getting those two here. Maybe, Hopefully one, maybe two. That would be great. But, you know, it's just... It just sucks because the draft is only less than two weeks away and they haven't really done their due diligence on any of these players yet. I just don't think, I mean, hopefully they make the right decision. I trust Brett Brown and what role they're giving him. So let's, uh, hopefully we can make the right choices and get some free agents in here and help this team get over the hump and get to the finals next year. Now, this GM search, it's going to go on for a while, obviously. What a time for this to happen. We have the draft coming up. We have two picks in the first round. Yeah. This first round is pretty stocked when you think about it. People keep jumping up the boards. People are falling down the boards left and right. Uh, in the local area, you see players like Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo shooting up and down the board left and right. Especially, we need someone there to make these decisions. And if we don't make this decision time efficiently, we're not going to succeed in the draft. And you know what? I think it's good that Colangelo left in the first place. I think he lowered the ceiling that this team had. And I'm not the only person that thinks that opinion. I was never really a big fan of him, but I was just like, oh, he's a Colangelo. He's not terrible. When you look back at the Markel Fultz trade to get him at number one, he took away that 2019 pick. That 2019 pick is going to be crucial for the Celtics. They're already stocked. Why would he do that? I guess his I guess his thought process was we needed a guard at that point. You know, Jason Tatum obviously is Jason Tatum obviously is the better player, but I think the team the need at that point was Markel Fultz. So I get I get what he did at that point, but they he, he did give up too much for it. We did get the pick this year. It's at ten, but the 2019 pick is definitely going to be crucial for the Celtics. And it just it just sucks because the Celtics are already set, and they're 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 set for the, they're set for years, and it's going to be the the Sixers. I mean, they're going to be the biggest competition for the Sixers. The rivalry is definitely renewed there. Well, I mean, ever since what with what happened with Markel Fultz, and afterwards when he was, once he was drafted, that whole shoulder thing, that whole that whole scenario was very iffy on Colangelo's part. And ever since then, I think more people have been like. You know, like, but like I said before, like more iffy about him. So I think that's like that's what all started with Colangelo and hit, like people being on this like on the fence about him. And then just with this, this was just the icing on the cake for him, really. Because even if even this if this never happened, I don't think Colangelo was the right guy for the Sixers just because of the scenario with with Marco Fultz in his shoulder. Do you think that it was just Barbara? No, absolutely not. It, Colangelo. No, it wasn't. No, he. There was. He definitely knew about it, and I mean, with Hinky, like starting this whole thing, I think Colangelo was never gonna like. No one was ever gonna be satisfied with Colangelo. I think everyone was going to give Hinky all the credit, and I think that played a definite role into Colangelo, this whole Colangelo thing. That's just my personal opinion. I don't really know, but. Who knows what who knows what he did? No one knows why he did it well, I mean, at all. Yeah, but he had to have known. Absolutely. Yeah. The, yeah. Like him saying that he didn't know is is just a blatant lie. Like he's just, that's it's just him trying to salvage whatever he can out of this. I think the Sixers are trying to save his career. 
because he's not a bad. They said he's not a bad guy. It's just the damage is already done, and but they don't they don't want him to see. It. I think they don't want his they don't want to see his career go down the toilet. You know, I think they're trying to. I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they want to make sure that he doesn't sink with the ship. Yeah, they, they want to make sure that he still has a capable position in the NBA, even though this happened. Also, like the thing that makes me think that it definitely was him as well. When that guy from the ringer called him Dietrich, that was, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm only going to tell him about two of them, and then all five of them go down. He knew. Uh, now, in that short period of time, do you think that maybe he called his wife and was like, oh, do you know anything about this? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. He definitely went into his computer and was like, crap, 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 and signed off of every single one of them and made them private. Anyone in their right mind could have put something together. But I think it was that message that he sent, find another slant, that really was the deciding factor. Well, going back on to what uh, Bert said about them trying to, like, not take him down with the ship, do you think, uh, do you think Brian's dad, Jerry, had anything to do with that? Because they said that he kind of threatened the Sixers and their, like, relationships with any other team. So do you think the Sixers tried to not seem like it was all about, like, not seem it was him? Do you think the, that his dad had anything to do with it? I think so. On top of it, do you really think that Jerry Colangelo, one individual, is going to stop the Sixers from making a trade with every single NBA team? <laughs> On top of it, it's Adam Silver that forced Sam Hinkie out of Philadelphia yeah. and forced Colangelo down our throats. If Adam Silver were to let that threat come to fruition he would be responsible for the organization's demise, and that would not look good on his tenure nor his name. He'd be out as commissioner in a heartbeat because you don't just take one of the most historic franchises in the NBA and turn them in the garbage just because you want to. And a big market, too. Philadelphia is a, a big market for the NBA, and that's why, again, like you said, Adam Silver put Colangelo in here just to get the Sixers relevant again so the, so the big market of Philadelphia doesn't suffer like they did for what four years so I, yeah I don't know it's just Jerry Jerry's just I guess trying to protect his son and I get that but the Sixers made the right move he has he should not have a say in anything that they do Jerry bye yeah I mean I get yeah like you said they get he's he's a son but it, it's a franchise and you know that your son did something stupid so why would you tr- why would you threaten the team that is trying to win now, and it's just, it was stupid. It was his son's fault in the first right, place. Right. Yeah, exactly. That it, it doesn't make sense to punish a team that is a business. They are trying to win a championship. You don't win a championship with a GM that the players don't trust. Some of those burner accounts went after Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz. It, it, why? Why would you let that happen under your watch? You had to have known about that, and why was sensitive team information given on those Twitter accounts? Yeah, like, you're going to threaten a team by firing your son who did something so stupid. A 15-year-old knows to delete your tweets. (laughs) Yeah, like, and he had five different accounts. And you're going (laughs) to threaten the team that's going to fire him? Jerry, listen... I know you're probably not listening, but that was also a stupid move by you. And I know your history, but that was a stupid move. Uh, Do you think Brian Colangelo hid his Twitter passwords under those long collars? (laughs) 
It's definitely a possibility. <laughs> I, I mean, those things were outrageous. Uh, well, but I should find a new slant. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's also his son's fault for marrying his that wife too. So, <laughs> well, I mean, like, do you really think that it was his wife? She she came out and admitted it was her. I, I'm pretty sure. That I think she had something to do with she it. Definitely, yeah. She, she probably ran them, but he was probably just like, "Here's this, write yeah, this, write this, yeah, put that on there." And yeah. She's and she's just like, "I'm protecting my husband, so I'm gonna do this for him." You know, he's my husband, or something, or his you know? lawyer said, "Point your finger at your wife." <laughs> he really did throw her under the bus, though. Yeah. And I don't know if that was just planned, but wow, to your own wife just saying, "Oh yeah, it was her," pointing fingers, all that stuff. I don't know. This is just this whole thing is just a mystery, and it's I stupid. It's stupid, and it puts a it, it, tarnish, it, puts it a tarnishes damper. this it tarnishes the Sixers, I guess it's name legacy. Probably the that. worst time possible. Not only is the draft coming up, yep. but free agency is coming up. Yep. We wanted a player like LeBron James to come to Philadelphia. You know that's not a guarantee, but. What is LeBron going to say? Oh, wow, they just fired their GM for crapping on their players. Hmm. I really want to come to that organization. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Sixers were one of the best teams in position for LeBron. And this just, it only makes it worse for us at this point. Also, the Sixers' ownership hasn't really been, you know, I'm not giving them a pass either because there's been a lot of controversy with them, too. I mean, no, I mean, guess not a lot of current controversy, but just Josh Harris, you know, just, I don't know. It's just, they're not, they're not, they're not totally clean either. So they're not basketball people. They are businessmen. His group owns, his group owns three other or two other franchises. Am I correct? The Devils and someone else. I'm not really sure about that, but I heard three or two other ones besides the Sixers. They are businessmen. They are not like a sport-oriented owner. All they want is money. Money, money is everything to them. I wouldn't go that far. They do want to see the Sixers succeed. They do show up to games, and they well, do. Yeah, but that's but their, that's their main purpose. The more they win, the more money they get. Right, and that's why they have so many. That's why they own, like, the Devils, and that's why they have multiple franchises. Cause Does anybody know their other franchise? I don't know. Real quick, off the top of their head? No? All right. No, we'll, we'll look that up, though. Yeah. Uh, honestly... Everyone does play a key in this. Someone should have at least monitored that, but that is hard to find. The only thing, like, like I said earlier, they followed each other. They were easy to link to each other. And not only that, but they followed things that the Colangelo family would. It seems to me, I'm agreeing with you, Bert. He had like a really soft ego. He was really proud of himself and really pompous, but didn't want to come off that way to the press. So he formulated this like false aura world? about him. False world? No, like this false aura about him <laughs> yeah. when he's talking to the press. But then when he went home, he would go on his computer and trash talk everyone. Uh, honestly, that is unacceptable behavior for an NBA executive. Why do you need to stoop so low as to argue with someone who has 200 followers? That doesn't make sense. You're in Philadelphia. You're going to get trash talked. Uh, like, I hate to bring the Phillies into this because it's Sixers talk, but when Gabe Kapler came into his home debut, he got the boo birds coming. He's fine. He took it. That's the whole point. You come to Philadelphia, we're harsh fans. We get that. But we also are... We also are passionate about our teams. When we say something, we mean it. 
Like, we're giving criticism because that's who we are. It's in our nature to fight. But that's really it. One last thing. Philadelphia is a cutthroat city, and he just wasn't the perfect fit for this city. And I'm glad, I'm glad the Sixers made the right move again. And that's it. Thanks, Adam Silver. <laughs> so to continue on um, with this GM search coming up, uh, we have Chip's choices on who the candidates are to fill this open slot. It's the, one of the hottest jobs in the NBA available right now. Who do we have on the list? Well, first and foremost, I think the front runner is David Griffin. I mean, he used to be the Cavaliers GM, and we were talking earlier about LeBron. So maybe that sways LeBron to Philadelphia, maybe. And, I mean, I, David Griffin's a, he's a good GM. I mean, he built the, the LeBron team when they, won the, uh, when they won it in 2016. So, I mean, he knows how to build a championship team. And I think, I mean, it, I think it's a perfect fit right now just because of the LeBron situation. And, um, you know, just yeah, I think it would, I would, it would sway him more towards Philadelphia after. I mean, I know it's the Colangelo thing, but maybe that's, you know, it, it helps him. Do you think that Griffin has a good enough relationship with LeBron James to make serious talks happen with him? I think he does, and I, and I think when the uh, the Cavaliers fired him, I think LeBron was a little upset when they actually did, and uh, I think LeBron enjoyed him, and I think they were, you know, they were friendly with each other. I don't think anything bad happened between them, so I think I I, I does I do think it helps the Sixers if if they do agree to terms. Yeah, I mean David Griffin will be a. Great hire. Can't really say much else about it than other than Le- LeBron being swayed to come here, like as you said. But it just we need we need LeBron James. <laughs> That's the bottom line. <laughs> we do need LeBron James. There's but. no if ands or buts about it. He's the best player in the world. He still has a lot left in the tank. And bringing the former GM who he has a great relationship with just helps their cause out even more. Other than the former GM part, Chips brings up a valid point. He built that team that won the Cavs the championship. He knows how to build a team with a draft coming up. He has the skill set to either A, make a trade happen to make it more valuable for us, or B, take those picks and pick the most valuable pick at the time. Either way, it's going to be a successful draft for us. It all depends on who we choose to operate the franchise. Who we got next? <laughs> <laughs> um, so some other candidates. I know David Griffin is the front runner. But there's some other candidates. Uh, there's Mark Zarin. He's the assistant GM for the Celtics. Now, I'm kind of iffy about this guy just because he's a, he's a lifelong Celtics fan. And uh, he's been with the Celtics for a while. And uh, he's, he's worked under Danny Ainge. So, I mean, Danny Ainge is a great GM. So, I mean, it's kind of tough for the Sixers just because he's a Celtics guy. But, I mean, I think he, I'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's worked under Danny Ainge, like I said. So, Danny Ainge probably has taught him well. So. We don't need someone from a historic rivalry to lead us to the promised land. That's the thing that frustrates me. He might have the talent, and he might be a great person. Don't get me wrong, but I have plenty of great friends who are Boston fans, and I would not want them in the front office. Well, I think a lot of people in Philadelphia would agree with you on that. But you got to think it. You got to. I know. It's, like I a, know. it's a business, and you got and he's he's smart, and he I think he knows how to pick players, and that's the angry fan coming right. out. Yeah, right? absolutely, and I, a lot of Philadelphia people would a hundred percent agree with you. This guy shows he wants to get the Sixers to the promised land. I'm all for it. Yeah, you, you want him to part the Red Sea for you too? 
Sure, why not? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I do think that if he has the capabilities to bring a championship to the Sixers, I think that it would be a good move. Um, I don't want to see it happen because he is a lifelong Celtics fan. Th- that stuff just bothers me. Uh, if you're a neutral fan, if you're coming in from Utah, all right, Utah, come on. <laughs> but I don't know if it would hinder him. I just don't think it would sit well with the rest of Philadelphia, like you said. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, From like as a Philadelphia fan, I don't really agree with it, but it, I think it would m- potentially help us. But From an operations standpoint. Right, exactly. But uh, a couple more I have is there's two of them that are like former Philadelphia people. So we got Elton Brand. (gasps) No. And Malik Rose. Now, Elton Brand's the current GM for the uh, Sixers G League team. And uh, Malik Rose is the current GM for the Hawks G League team. So both of these guys, former Philadelphia people. Malik Rose uh, is from Philadelphia. He went to the same high school as Will Chamberlain. He went to Drexel. And he played for the Sixers, and so did Elton Brand. So there's just two local guys that could potentially, you know, could be, could be, you know, helpful. Elton Brand brought heartbreak to this franchise. <laughs> I don't want him to bring any more heartbreak, please. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just options at this point. I mean, <laughs> is that a viable option? I mean, hey, I, has he successfully run the G League team? I think he. I I don't you even never. Know. You never know, man. I mean, they were the <laughs> Delaware 87ers, now they're Del- the Delaware Bluecoats, so I mean... Bluecoats. He, he changed the name. <laughs> Got them a little bit more of a fashion sense. <laughs> yeah. The 87ers was a better name, but... It was, it was, <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of was. <laughs> All right, so two more I got here. Uh, one, one of them is uh, Gerson Rosas. He's the Rockets' VP of basketball operations. Now, I think that's also a viable option, and the Rockets, as we know, they made the Western Conference Finals, they built... That team he built, he had James Harden, and they brought Chris Paul in, and they've they, I mean, they have a a very they have a very good team, and they have a contender. So, another option that's he has potential, I think. Former Rockets GMs have six with coming to the Sixers has succeeded in the past. So, I mean, Sam Sam Hinkie just basically broke down this whole team because well, Sam Hinkie is the guy I'm talking about, obviously, uh, but. <laughs> the Rockets, go, this Rockets or the GMs coming from the Rockets have had success for the Sixers in the past. So I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate that move at all. Like as you said, I agree with you on that. Chips, they have a contender down there. Yep. He knows how to build a team. Yep. The Sixers are already right there. Let's yeah. let's bring him in if he wants. They just <laughs> um, they really just they the Sixers need one more push, and I think a lot of these guys know how to do that. Especially if they worked around Sam Hinkie, they are able to make those trades that are risky but also bring value in the future. This isn't about a one-year, one-and-done championship. This is about building a contender for the next decade. We talked about this in previous podcasts about how to build a team that will last a decade. We need a GM that will do so, and we we have had good experiences with the Houston Rockets executives. If they come here and they can bring that same style that Hinky did without like giving everything away now, Hinky built what we are now. Colangelo lowered the ceiling that Hinky had in the first place. Right. We need to bring that ceiling back to where it was. And I'm not saying give everything away. I'm saying make here a desirable destination for free agents and draft picks to be. Well, yeah, I agree with you. And Hinky definitely built this team. And like you said, Colangelo just <laughs> he worsened it. And I don't think Colangelo really. I, I don't know. I, I just he wasn't the guy 
for us to have a team to contend for the next 10 years. And I, I don't think he was the right guy for us. And I think some of these guys could potentially be those guys. So Colangelo just wasn't the right fit. One thing we do have to consider, although we keep saying Colangelo wasn't a good fit, is that what Adam Silver told him to do? Was he just following orders? So that, that, that's, a, that's a hot take. <laughs> that's a tough, that's that's, a tough question. That's a, that's a hot take right there, yeah. man. Oh, my God. But if he was just following orders, is that really – I mean, the Twitter thing is totally his fault. But is following orders if, – if the NBA commissioner is coming to you and say, you have to do this or I will not let your franchise succeed. Imagine what you would do. It's like the Godfather coming to you saying, you ruined my daughter's wedding. Like, you don't do it. <laughs> I don't think Adam Silver – I don't think Adam Silver was trying to ruin this team because – I mean, it appears like he didn't want us to have that powerhouse. I think he tried to bring in a GM to – Speed it up? Speed it up, yeah. Because, as I said before, the Sixers are – the Sixers are a big – a team in a big market, and the NBA – just needs those teams to succeed. So, yeah, I don't know. I, right, that's, it's a that's, tough question. That's exactly it's, what I'm saying. Adam Silver, I, I don't think that happened because the Sixers are, like you said, they're a big market. And we've had the same finals for the last four years. And LeBron's made the last, what is it, eight or nine. I'm sick and tired of seeing Golden State and Cleveland go back and forth. Right, it's that, time for a new powerhouse. Right. So that's why I don't think Adam Silver took it to that extreme. Maybe he told Colangelo to. I, I don't even. I don't even know if Silver had anything to do with it. He definitely did. <laughs> he had some sort of say in it. That, absolutely. Now, but like my my question is why? I'm sorry. My question is why Silver would try to ruin this team. That's all. That's all I gotta say. He wasn't trying to ruin it. He was trying to get a GM in here that was going to, as he said, speed speed it up to get. This franchise going, but the, pro- the process didn't need to speed up. Right, that's not what it needed, that, and, and those weren't Hinky's intentions. And that's why Silver had to step in. Hinky wanted to go on for another two years, and yeah. Silver was like, "Nah, not right now." But because he because he, Silver saw it was going to work. Uh, speaking of uh, the firing of NBA executives, we have a friend in this room. His name is Bert. He is raging he's seething he's foaming from the mouth he red in the face he's butthurt all right everything you just said is a little bit of exaggeration but you are butthurt (laughs) (laughs) i definitely am butthurt about the sixers taking so long to fire colangelo as soon as this came out he should have been Fired immediately, effective immediately. That's what it should have been. I don't care if it was him or not. This tarnished the Sixers' legacy and everything in between. He should have been gone and out of here as soon as this report came out. The Sixers hiring a GM is going to take forever, too. It's just so frustrating. The Sixers have... They can't, can't catch a break with anything. And it, <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> That's, I mean, I, I 100% agree. They took way too long. And the fact is, too, they believed him at first. They believed that he didn't had, he had nothing to do with it. That's, when that report came out, I was, oh, man, yeah. I was ready to just, I wanted to ring like Josh Harris's <laughs> Ring the ringer. <laughs> ring the ringer, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I'm going to disagree with both of you. I, I think that they took plenty of time, the time that they need it. What if it wasn't him? What if, honestly, someone was trying to frame him? Honestly, it came out that it wasn't, but they needed to do an investigation. They hired a third party. That investigation came to a close, and they found out that it was him. Would they just fire him? Obviously, the trust was broken, but what if it wasn't true in the first place? Yeah, but all those numbers went went back to him. After the investigation. But it was obvious at at that point, though. He, He had to have something to do with it, and even before that happened... It was just, you had to do it. It was, you had to do it. I'm not even a huge fan of him. I said it earlier in the show. I didn't like him in the first place, but you can't just fire someone on a false premise. But it wasn't false. It wasn't, but you had to find out. I think if you, they they took a week. Even if it was false though, I, it just, the damage was already done. Even if it wasn't him. Yeah. He should, he should have been gone. Even if he did stay on, the, the fans would not have wanted him here. Nor would the players. I get it. And that's what yeah. that's what was found out after the investigation. But even before this whole Twitter thing, I think everyone knew he just wasn't the right guy for us. Like I said before, this whole the whole Markel's fault situation. We keep going back to that, but that was huge for the Sixers, and a lot of it has to do with him. So he just wasn't. We keep just saying it, but it just he wasn't the right fit. I'm not saying he should have been fired. Obviously, he should have been fired. I, right. But like. The Sixers did it the right way. They had an investigative team establish evidence against him, forcing him to resign or get fired. If he got fired, that would have been like shame all over his, well, less shame, well, more shame than the resign. But also the resigning means that the Sixers don't have to pay him as much, which is nice. (laughs) The bottom line is either way, even if it wasn't him, I just don't, I I don't, I didn't see him retaining his job here because one, they, made the Sixers wait so – sorry, the Sixers fans wait so long to make a decision. And then just – and the, the fans didn't really like him in the first place just because yeah. of the Markel Fultz thing and his job he was doing. So it just – it made it made a lot of – it doesn't it make sense to me just to wait that long. I think he should have been fired as soon as those reports came out, but that's just me. I get, I get it. I get it. It, it made us a lot of us mad. It made us, a lot of us sit in frustration in our beds, thinking, "Why? Why, God? Why?" And then when the report came out, sorry to cut you off. When the when the report came out that they they believe him and they were thinking about retaining him, that just was that was just a horrible, a horrible uh, report to come out. You know what all led into this? Kylie Jenner dating oh, Ben Simmons. My God. As soon as that report came out, two hours later, I look at my phone, The Ringer, (laughs) Brian Colangelo, burner accounts, two hours after. If you're going to say that that isn't the Kardashian curse, well, I'll be darned. (laughs) The good thing is, I don't think they're a thing anymore, so whatever. Thank the Lord. You answered my prayer. Thank you so much. My question is, Ben Simmons, what are you doing? What are you thinking? There's... uh, I, I just I don't even know what he's what's going on, but he knew, you know, everyone knew that they're the Kardashians just stay away from him. I also read an article that during the Boston series, Ben and his ex-girlfriend were having quite a bit of a spat, which could have uh, which could have hindered his performance a little bit. Don't you think? I think you should just stay with the last singer. 
she was actually pretty good looking. I agree. <laughs> pretty good looking. <laughs> That's all you got to say. She was gorgeous. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, he's Ben Simmons. He's a professional athlete. He'll have no problem in the ladies. Um, nope. But as long as it's not a Kardashian, we're good. And no Kardashians. <laughs> ben, Ben, I know you're not listening. No Kardashians. Please. Please. We've suffered enough. Yes. Um. All right, I think that's about all we can talk about Colangelo. It's a frustrating situation. I don't think frustrating is the word that can even describe the anger and rage that is within me right now at the fact that this was allowed to happen. But uh, let's move on to a new segment. Since we're in the dog days of summer, since the heat's getting to us, uh, we'd like to begin something called the Phillies Roundtable. We're going to break down the Phillies towards the end of each podcast from now on, and we're just going to elaborate on things that can help us go forward in the future, things that need to be fixed, trade deadline moves that can happen, and, of course, talking about our favorite manager, the jacked, the Adonis, Gabe Kapler. <laughs> All right, so with the Phillies recently, that West Coast road trip. Nightmarish. Nightmarish. I think that's that was hell. Yeah. That was – they didn't score a single run against the Giants, but wait – Jake Arrieta was the only one that hit an RBI. <laughs> Jake Arrieta, yes, you heard me right, the pitcher. The Phillies definitely showed their true colors in that West Coast road trip. We all know the Phillies probably not going to win, win win anything this year, go, go to the playoffs or anything like that. They're playing good teams now, yeah. and this is going to be a rough month for them, yeah. and it's not starting off so hot. <laughs> it's just it just they're really showing who they are now. And their their whole the holes that they have are really being exposed, and even with Kapler's whole analytics thing, it's just not it's not it's, helping. It's, it's not helping right. and not working. Analytics, you, never, however you want to put it, analytics only moves are hurting the team. Yep. And it's time for him to realize that. Now he's not going to go ahead and read in the newspaper. Oh, the analytics are hurting. He doesn't care. He thinks that they will work out in the future. And you know what? In some situations they would, but when you defensively shift against Chris Bryant so thoroughly that he pretty much walked on the first base, that's absurd. Chris Bryant's one of the best hitters in baseball. Why would you do that? Also, what about that outfield shift where if Scott Kingery were in normal position, he would have caught it. That shouldn't have happened. That, that's a manager's fault. And listening to Larry Boa, he spoke on the MLB Network. He didn't trash Gabe Kapler, but he said Gabe should go up to the pitchers that are pitching that day, like Aaron Nola, like Jake Arrieta, and say, hey, look, these are the defensive spreads that we have today for these batters, for these players. What do you think about them? Do you think they align with your style of play? And he can, he can do that just so the pitchers know what to do, like how to pitch to the hitters, you know, like – where and he knows where everyone is because he's not looking back behind him. If Jake Arietta is confident pitching to someone in a regular style infield, why would you shift them all the way over to the right? If you have to hinder your pitcher to get that shift, it's a worthless shift. You have to make sure that you are working with your players right. so that they know what is going on and what they're comfortable with. Yeah, pl- players need to be involved in, in every situation and defensively. They just have. They have to. He has to talk to him, and I don't think he's doing that. And I think he's just. It, it all comes down to Gabe Kapler and his, and his analytics, and whatever he thinks is right is right. And he's not communicating with the players, and I think that that shows. I think that he's shown that he's willing to adjust. He's letting Nolan Arietta go deeper into games. Uh, he let Pavetta go recently eight innings, which is good. 
it's good that he's listening to his players. It's good that he's listening to the senior VPs and executives in the Phillies front office. And it's good that he's listening to the fans, too, because we were sick and tired of seeing pitchers being pulled in the fifth inning. Now he has to listen to everyone again. There are moves where the manager has to make a crucial decision. Not everyone will agree with them, but they have to be for the benefit of the franchise. If they're not going to win the game because of that shift, why are you going to do it? What's going to give you the best potential opportunity to get that out, to hit that home run? It sure is an Aaron Altair for the home run, <laughs> but I don't, have, I don't know why he's getting playing time. But <laughs> And the thing is, too, the Phillies are struggling right now. and Struggling is yeah, an understatement. They're struggling mightily right now. That that series, that road trip series, it, 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 that whole road trip was just, it was awful. And Gabe Kapler needs to make adjustments, and he's not doing that. And he, he needs to be, he needs to learn as a manager, if the Phillies are struggling, we have to make adjustments. And he's just not, he, he's still sticking with the analysts, and he's just, he's not making adjust, the necessary adjustments. Now, does this West Coast road trip remind you a lot of the West Coast road trip last year where everything went downhill? I think it's different just because the Phillies, they were an awful team last year, and we know that. The Phillies are a young team this year, and they have potential, and they they could have won those games. It just came down to mental mistakes and misadjustments by the manager. I don't. I think that Gabe Kapler has a huge role, and they're like faltering lately, but you also have to think. All, all eight batters, other than the pitcher in the lineup, struggling all at the same time. Yeah. Something is going on there. That is not just Gabe Kapler. There's a whole coaching staff. How can every single player be hitting below 300 now? Odubel Herrera is hitting 298 now. He was just hitting 356 a week ago, two weeks ago. It all comes down to are they willing to improve? It doesn't look like they are right now just the way they're playing. I mean, hopefully that changes. I, I, you're right. They're a young team. Young teams make mistakes. They're not mature yet. But the manager does make those decisions. Earlier in the season, before Reese Hoskins was injured, Nick Williams wasn't playing so much. He started play- Once Reese went down, he started to play more, and he's proved that you know he should be out there more often. He's hitting more thoroughly, and at least with contact, than Aaron Altair was. That was the centerpiece of the Cole Hamels trade. I'll say it again. He should be playing. Yeah, I don't get Gabe Kapler's uh, infatuation with Aaron Altair. <laughs> <laughs> really? I mean, the dude just doesn't perform. He'll, he'll give you a home run here and there, but he's hitting like 192. Yeah. 192 does not constitute an everyday starter role. Yeah. If, you're, if he sees that he's batting 192, take him out of the lineup. Yeah. Put, in Nick, put in Nick Williams, who, as you said, he's is younger and, and has more potential. He's playing well, and he's proving himself out there on the field. Yep. His OPS has improved over 700 since May. Since the start of May. That shows that he's improving. Once he's getting the playing time, he's improving. Now, one crucial factor, the Phillies' bullpen implosions. Mm. It isn't just one player. It is two. I'm going to begin. Hector Neris. Please give your words. Horrendous. You really hate Hector Neris. <laughs> I do not hate Hector Neris. I just think he's incompetent and should be on the street somewhere. Oh, it seems that, oh, it seems that way. He, he's just not good. Do you actually have faith in Hector Neris coming into a game? No, not at all, but I'm just saying. So do you hate Hector Neris? Yes, I do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, pointing the finger. And then, uh, I mean, a lot of people would agree. 504 ERA. Yeah, yeah. 
I really don't know what Kepler sees in Hector Neris. I guess the beginning of last year he did okay, but ever since then he's been awful. And I just, I think Kepler hopes that he comes back to that, what he did last year in the beginning of last year. It's just, he's not a good player and he's not a good pitcher. He has one pitch and that's sometimes can't throw it consistently ever right, right he has one night he'll throw it consistently and then the next five nights he won't three wild pitches in one half inning <laughs> yeah i just i don't get it i really don't okay let's move on from our hate of hector naris <laughs> uh, we, we do not hate hector naris he just needs to either step up or go down to triple a yeah. or find a nice hut somewhere and disappear for about 10 years um <laughs> now this one's going to be a little I'm annoyed by this. People keep coming at Adam Morgan. One blown save does not destroy the 2.35 ERA he had before that Chicago game. He contributes a nice value to that bullpen, a nice lefty that comes in and can get outs. Every pitcher will have their days. And that was his day. That game was not so much his fault as it was the manager's fault for bringing him in and taking Sir Anthony Dominguez out. Although Dominguez was used very heavily, that was his game to close. Yeah, I mean, it, it, all, it all goes back to Gabe Kapler. Him putting, I, I hate talking him, about him all the time, but putting putting Morgan good. putting Morgan in that situation, Sir Anthony definitely could have gotten out of that inning. I I just believe that, but. And then bringing Morgan, who, I mean, he was warming up, but, you know, cold into the game, and he gives up the grand slam, and people are now... In a very tough situation. Blaming it on him when Kapler should not, in the first place, have even put him in the game. Yeah. So, yeah. People are taking this way out of hand. He gave up the the walk-up grand slam, and now people are all all on him about it. They've been impatient with him all year, though. It's not something that's just came out of the blue. I, I think that, though, be, is because just because the bullpen has, has performed so poorly, they just think that everyone has performed so bad. Anyone who has a bad game, point point fingers. Yeah. Yeah, all this stuff and all that. Yeah, I don't know. K- kind of like everyone with Hector Nares. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, just, that's just Philly for you. Yeah. Hey, look, I, I honestly think that Adam Morgan doesn't deserve that hatred that he's getting right now. He is a value to the team. See it. Look at it. When he comes into games, usually he'll get a strikeout and ground out the next two or a pop out, something like that. I've never really seen him get rocked. Also, Dexter Fowler hit that ball. That was his first home run against a left-handed pitcher since 1972. (laughs) I mean, it was a meatball, and he admitted that. You know what? It was a meatball. That was my fault. The fact that he went out there like against the Philadelphia media and said, that was my fault. That was me. You know, good for him. The fact that he can take the booze, the fact that he can take the criticism, that's good. That That's what needs to be in Philadelphia. You don't see Hector Neris doing that. I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see Hector Neris in my future ever. <laughs> Maybe I should buy his jersey and just wear it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Adam Morgan, so far, other than that that one outing, he has been the one of the bright spots in this bullpen, and there hasn't been many. And the other one, is, uh, the one I can think of is Sir Anthony Dominguez. And Victor Arana too has been has been. A good Victor Arana has been hit around a little bit lately. Yeah, I think it's just I think that's just him, kind of adjusting. He's young, so. coming back from the DL yeah, too. Yeah, he was on, he was hurt too, so that's just him coming back and him adjusting again. And he and he's, he's still young, so I think he'll he'll bounce back. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's all great Phillies points. The team does have to either improve or make changes at the trade deadline. Inconsistency of the rotation. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the biggest issues. Um, the last point I want to touch on, Vinny Velazquez yesterday, he gave up 10 earned runs, 9 hits, and 3.2 innings. And, listen, that was, that was a terrible outing. And I, I, once, once it got to 4 or 5, I knew it was going to be a bad day for the Phillies. But, once Braun hit that three-run jack. Yeah, and then he hit another one later. But I hate to say it, I think it comes back to Kapler again. He should not. He knew Velasquez was having a bad day, and he kept him in for those four innings, and he tried to let Velasquez work through it. If your pitcher's having a bad day, you got to get him out of there. And I, I like again, I hate to say it, but yeah, that's. I think that's on Kapler again. But no, it's. It is Velasquez. Like, he had a bad day. But once again, Kapler's got to get him out. He did the complete opposite of what he did the beginning of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Vinny Velasquez I just don't think is a very good yeah. starting pitcher. He's very I hate to say inconsistent. it. Very inconsistent. And, you know, it's just, as you said, the, the Phillies need back-end pitching help, rotation help. Hopefully they can get someone at the deadline to come in here and give them a nice, give give them a nice fourth or fifth starter. As we saw on that road trip, I think the Phillies need a lot more help than just back in pitching help. They need bullpen help and they need more bats. I think they need consistent pitchers. They Cons- just need consistency. They period. They aren't there, they aren't there yet. That's why they're not there yet, and they're not going to be good for. They're not going to. This year is just. Gonna, I think is going to be a wash because they're just not as as I said. Not there yet. So hopefully it's a learning curve. Let's yep. not jump to conclusions about it being a wash, but they have been overachieving, and yep. we do know that. So let's take everything in stride. Let's observe, and let's see how this team actually develops before we make any concrete standpoints. Um, with all that being said, though, we've once again reached our destination for the day. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to the bandwagon on PHL Sports Nation. Please check us out at Ryan Michaels 18 for Phillies Nation, Christopher Tiernan for the Eagles Nation, and Robert Tiernan for Sixers Nation. Um, we will see you at the next stop, and thanks again for listening.